0: Please visit com. Bless you. Mm, Sat-nam. Sat-nam. Human life, in its eighty-four thousand incarnations, is about integrating. the various dimensions that all other life experiences. Most animals and children after they converge their eyes and objectify the world deal with two-dimensional space. It was standing up on two legs that gave us full access to the third dimension. Because when we're on all fours, we don't really see the third dimension as a, as a separate dimension. We just see it kind of as a, another form of one of the two dimensions. When a child is first born, and when you've learned to deeply meditate, and when you're in the dream time, your eyes, instead of being convergent and knowing where something is in three dimensions, having that depth perception, your eyes go parallel. And when your eyes go parallel, it means that you're not actually looking at anything. It's called scrying. Another word for it would be gazing. When you're not looking at something, you're actually looking through something. But another thing happens internally when your eyes go parallel. You have two sets of optical nerves one for depth perception and another for realization. The one for depth perception runs parallel when your eyes are converging. It runs parallel to the optical uh, cortex. The other one converges when your eyes are parallel, so one is parallel when your eyes converge, the other one converges when your eyes are parallel. The one that converges inside your brain, which is the two that cross, cross at the pituitary gland. When you use those crossing optical nerves, the pituitary gland, in addition to being the master gland, becomes the third eye. So, two dimensions on all fours, three dimensions standing upright, and then the second standing up is when you stand up the kundalini, turn on your parallel vision, and begin to use the master gland as a third eye. At the same time, your ears become also omniscient, omniscient. They become third ears. You don't hear just words, you hear intention and tone, inflections. All of those things give signals as to what's really being said, more even so than the definition of a word because all words have various definitions and we all interpret words differently. But tones and inflections and inclinations of the voice l- the vocal uh, presentation has some very, very clear messaging. As well as written word, I think one of the most common written word inflections is when somebody types in all caps, and somebody answers back, "Stop yelling at me." <laughs> and do you notice how you all do? Even myself, when we talk about the textual messages, we go like this. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, or I was talking to somebody the other day. Integrating all of these dimensions, and I'll explain what the dimensions do, but integrating all of these dimensions is what gives you integrity integrate integrity integrity two dimensions <clears throat> see a child when it's born has parallel vision it doesn't learn to objectify its environment create objects out of its environment it actually just sees a lot of energy that's why little children look like look at you like look at you like this and you're trying to get them to smile, and they can't even see your smile, you know, so they're just, they're, they haven't objectified their environment yet, so they're just in this, <laughs> and you're all disappointed because, you know, you, and then then you do this absurd stuff, which they actually think is absurd too, they just can't, they just can't say it in English. Um, oh, yeah, 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 you know, like this, and they're just going... Get me out of here. (laughs) So anyway, anyway, that's a whole other class. So when a child is born, it's in full awareness. Yogi Bhajan once said, we're born knowing everything and we die knowing perhaps a lot about one thing. You know, it's like we we completely... um, reduce our awareness, so the child is born knowing everything and when it starts to try to manipulate, man is the mind and the hand. so manipulation, ipulation is to, is to resolve the puzzle, man is to connect the mind and the hand, man, mind and hand to unsolve the puzzle, or to resolve the puzzle, to unpuzzle the puzzle. So once we start manipulating our environment, right, we be, our eyes start to converge. And as we, our eyes converge, we lose the power of being able to see beyond time and space. Between the ages of 12 and 18, which is a six-year period of imagination and quest, a child is supposed to actually be sent on a, on a vision quest, right, so that they can realize that the outside is actually a projection from the inside, and that their greatest, their greatest guide is their higher consciousness. But in today's world, as a matter of fact, Bar Mitzvah and Bat Mitzvah was, was a vision quest back in the day. It's turned into a mall mania, you know, and that's what children are now d- disrupted by in their um, fifth cycle. You know, the first cycle is zero to three. So, Excuse me, their fourth cycle. The first cycle is zero to three. The second cycle is three to seven. The third cycle is seven to 12. The fourth cycle is 12 to 18. And the fifth cycle is 18 through the rest of life. But children are disrupted in the fourth cycle because they're extremely vulnerable. And that vulnerability and that insecurity is a purposeful tool. The universe puts insecurity and vulnerability into a child between the ages of 12 and 18. You know, they're in puberty, their hormones are coming in, they don't don't know who they are. So they can find out who they are, but what happens is that marketing and sales comes in and starts to uh, tell them, this is who you are, or you want to be like this. Because in that insecurity, they want to find security. And the purpose of that insecurity is to drive them inside, find the security within, and then they're secure all of their life, because if you're carrying your security with you, no matter where you are, you're secure. No matter what's going on, you're secure. And when you actually find that, you in that security within, you find all of those elements of the fifth dimension, which are empathy, compassion, love, trust, faith. All of these components are elements of the fifth dimension. The fourth dimension is time. And time has been disrupted too, because time is what? Time is. We've thought that time is money, so because we want time, everybody wants more time, we believe that we can get more time by getting more money. The problem is that in our attempt to get more money in order to get more time, we're always running out of time. (laughs) Because time cannot be saved, time can only be spent in the moment. And it's how thoroughly you spend your time in each moment that your value of time is then created. We think the value of time is in capital. It's not in capital at all. The value of time is in how deeply you spend each moment. How you connect in each moment as opposed to being in a moment physically, but in another moment mentally, and yet another moment emotionally. Most people spend their time out of time. In other words, they're emotionally stuck in some moment that took place in the past. They are thinking about a moment, their mental body, emotional body in the past, physical body in the present, and mental body in the anticipation of what's to come. And that's a complete disintegration. And that's one of the reasons why we hold postures that may be difficult, may not be. The difficult ones, the easy ones are as difficult as the difficult ones. Because in the easy one, your system becomes bored, your mind goes someplace else. Mindfulness is when you actually bring that mind back from someplace else, put it in this moment, and make it live with boredom. Because boredom is actually a very high sensation, a very high frequency sensation. Boredom is, the, is kind of the absence of all stimulation and the absence of all stimulations allows for you to be here now. So here we are, fourth dimension, fifth dimension we described, fourth dimension we just described. Three dimensions are the three dimensions of space to literally integrate the three dimensions of space. And the way you best integrate the three dimensions of space is to integrate the three dimensions of your basic space. And the three dimensions of your basic space are your feet which are your directions, your ankles which are your momentums, your lower legs which are comprised of two bones, a larger one, which is the tibia, the smaller one, which is the fibula. And these are your standards, and because you have two bones in the standards, you have double standards. The main portion of your double standard is supposed to be the standards that you brought with you. That's this front bone. Slightly to the back of the front bone, but not really behind it, is the smaller bone, which are the standards that you are to accept from the world around you. The standards that you don't accept from the world around you, you need to replace with your own standards, right? Whatever standard you don't accept from the world around you, you must replace with your own standard. And where you shouldn't do this is in two-dimensional space, which is the the space of right-wrong. Like don't run a red light, right? That's a three-dimensional standard of obeying rules. Don't obey all the rules, but obey rules that if you don't obey them, there's, ri- there's risk that is way too high. Hmm? So that's your standards. And then the knees are your balance. And this is where we do all of our standing poses and some of our sitting poses in Kundalini. It's to integrate your body parts which are measurable and identifiable, so that you can integrate those dimensional parts which are virtual, they're not identifiable, they're not necessarily measurable. Some of them are, but a lot of them are not. So you use the three-dimensional nature of your body in poses in in order to integrate Not in a position that you're normally in, but in a position that actually uses all of the components. It's using the balance of your knees, right? It's using the nature of your standards. Now the difference between your standards and your upper legs, which is your right leg is motivation, your left leg is intention. If there's an imbalance between your standards, your motivation and your intention, your knees are gonna wear out. Because you take around 10,000 steps a day if you have an active life. And to take 10,000 steps a day with things slightly tweaked, it's like the, the straw that, you know, the old saying, the straw that breaks the camel's back is just a straw, but it's the one straw that tips the scale. So as you walk year after day after day 10,000 20,000 30,000 a million steps 2 million steps on and on and on as the, as your days weeks months and years continue there's a point in life that parts of your body are going to wear out not because they would be wearing out anyway but because things are out of alignment and that's why some part of every day, you should check yourself out. Check out your stride. Are your feet pointing in the direction that you're walking? Number one. If your feet are, are pointing out, right? Like this, right? You're gonna, it's going to have a registration through your entire body, all the way up into your cranium. Things are going to be out of alignment. If your feet are pointing in, then something is going to happen also. So you want to keep your feet pointing straight forward. Another thing is, is that when you're going to turn, how are you going to turn? Are you going to turn so that you actually put twisting stra- um, effort on your knee and your hip? Or are you going to turn like a contemplative turn, right? Ah, Hmm. right? Hmm, ah, you're changing direction. That has a lot of repercussion. You're changing direction, be mindful, and change direction. If you see, if you see someone who is a master of martial arts, a master of Qigong, a master of Kundalini, you will see that if they're gonna change posture, they go, mmm, you know. The posture moves and changes very mindfully very mindfully if you're going to get up you know you're sitting you're sitting down you're going to get up give your system a moment just a moment to realign and then take your step the whole time this is going on three dimensional space is memorized by your inner ear, the cochlea, the actual physical cochlea in the inner ear, which is this nautilus kind of shell thing in your inner ear, filled with these microscopic hairs. It's actually what turns analog sound into digital sound, so the electronics in your brain can register it. But it's also a balancing mechanism. And it's also your inner voice, so it has so many functions. And as you're moving, as your head is changing positions, as a matter of fact, it was what Yogi Bhajan said, when we stood up finally, and remained standing, then all of a sudden it starts operating in a different way, and it starts using the spine as an antenna, and it it and it grows the neurology in the frontal lobe. It this phenomenal stuff going on in that in that inner ear. So if you have your pelvis, which is your idea, your idea, your, ide- your idea of the ideal life, the concept of life, the pelvis holds all of these glands and organs. It even holds the, the salad of your entire glandular system here. And some of them are for reproduction, some of them are for digestion. And all of that is about value. That which is not valued will not reproduce itself. That which is not valued will not feed itself. I don't mean valued from the outside. I mean self-valuation. So the pelvis holds all that value. And then it registers that value. The spine is the inspiration. So it registers it through the spine. It registers it through the legs, the motivation, the intention, standing on the balance with the standards, which is in the momentum and direction. So all of this has all of this three-dimensional world. You work with this, you work with this. The more mindful you are with this, the more mindful you are of this. So that's five, four, three dimensions. And then we come to the fundamental, the two-dimensional world. Two-dimensional world, which is the world in which children, once they've converged converged their vision, live in until they're about 16 years old. Because the fifth dimension really doesn't register in a child. Rules and regulations do. If it's acceptable, and the only way a rule and regulation is acceptable to a child is if it is, if it is, if you want a child to embrace a rule or regulation, then you have to embrace the child when you deliver the rule. You can't demand the child; you have to command the child. And command has been misappropriated mis, uh, with demand. Demand means without that coordination of mind. Command means that our minds are coordinating. And to embrace a child in command means that you embrace the child and you integrate the two minds. So the two dimensional world is a world of rules and regulations. Yes, no. It's a binary world, rule of polarities, opposites. Yes, no. Right, wrong. Love, fear all of these mechanisms. A lot of people never grow out of two dimensions by design. Because if there's 84,000 lifetimes, we are not all at the same level of evolution. But we're all of different ages in this room But not one of us is more important than anyone else. We're all of equal importance, and that's why there's that saying that never gets obeyed, and that, I think, Declaration of Independence of the United States is all are created equal, right? (laughs) Hierarchies don't honor that, do they? And so we have this all are... All are created equal, and that's the reality. But all are not at the same level of awareness. That is also the reality. An infant through an adult, they're not at the same level of awareness. And humans throughout their incarnations are not at the same level of awareness. And so when you look out there and you see that the majority of the... Well, now it's a political season, I'll just say it the majority of the voting block is controlled through a very severe two-dimensional component, which is fear. And that's how you can get people to vote for you. And that was discovered at some point in time, and ever since then, there's been no such thing as democracy. No such thing. As a matter of fact, there's been very little such thing as justice. I have a, a student whose husband owns and operates in one of the uh, media centers, cities of the United States, the largest acting school in a very large city. Thirty-five years ago when he started the acting school, about 98% of his students were actors. Today, 85% of his students are lawyers. Learning how to act in front of a jury. That does not provide justice, does it? That provides, do you believe my story? Have I acted so that you can't see that I'm acting? Two-dimensional world. Two-dimensional world. Right, wrong. Good, bad. Yes, no. Love, fear. In the Kali-yuga, which is one of the four yugas, right? As a matter of fact, oh, it isn't here. I keep thinking it's here, but it's not. The original um, art that Yogi Bhajan drew, which shows the four ages, the four yugas. So there's the Yuga, which is the golden age, right? There's the... Treta-yug, which is the Silver Age, there's the Dauper yug which is the Copper Age, and then there's the Kali-yug, which is the Steel Age. And each one gets more and more dense. In the Kali-yug, which we're in the midst of right now, needing to close it out over the next hundred or so years, Truth is what you convince someone of. That's the definition of truth in the darkest age, in the densest age. Truth is what you convince someone of. Interesting, huh? And so there you go. There are a lot of unevolved humans that are stuck in two-dimensional space. Truth is what you convince someone of. Two-dimensional humans are controlled through two-dimensional right, wrong, good, bad, yes, no, fear, love. And then there's you. And the only reason you're in this room is because you're a highly evolved human, operating in as many of the dimensions as you possibly can. And the reason that you work with Kundalini is because you've found yourself able to work in the various dimensions, but you're struggling to integrate them. And that's what Kundalini does so powerfully, is that it will bring all of what you're working with and integrate it so that you can have a life of integrity. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to use our physical body. We're going to use sound, because the sounds of mantra activate the third ear. Hmm? The sight of yantra activates the third eye. Yantra is like a mandala. Yantra is is visual. Mantra is auditory. So we use mantra. We use pranayama because pranayama not only oxygenates the brain, it's like controlled breathing, not only oxygenates the brain, but it works with the diaphragm so that the diaphragm can, can open up because the diaphragm is a—it's the largest muscle in the body, the mar- largest muscle group in the body. But it also separates the aponic system, which is the elimination, and the pranic system, which is the invocation. And when you have invocation and elimination in integration, a little rhymey there, Then you have this incredible coordination, we're keeping it up, that allows you to feel connected to life. And not only allows you to feel connected to life, but it allows you to feel connected to life after life. You connect with spirit, Because spirit is both in body, but also spirit is out of body. I remember when my father passed away. And I immediately called Yogi Bhajan, but he was in the midst of a very strong course, women's camp, back in the day. and So I called him to notify him, and I left a message with one of his secretaries, and He called me back a couple of days later. My father and I are and were extremely close, extremely close. My parents and I were very close, close close-knit. They were yogis, they were my first teachers. My father was an artist, my mother a musician. That's where my art comes from and my music comes from. I think my music might be a little stronger than my art, but hey, that's not a problem. (laughs) So in those days before Yogi Bhajan said to me what he said and he only said one thing and I was made up of two words I was feeling like ah ah the distance that I saw between where I was stuck in life and where he must be outside of life was an insurmountable distance. It reminded me of a field of dried grass that went on forever. Hot sun, dried grass, forever. Nothing very appealing. He called me back two days later and I picked up the phone and he said, didn't say anything, just said, Journeys over. And he hung up the phone. And in that instance, that entire three-dimensional space that I was imagining collapsed to a single point. And my father has never left my side. Because that is the reality of reality. And so, when you integrate and master the dimensions, life is no longer a mystery. And we all have close relations with humans and animals and I even have them with plants and that sometimes leave their body and it's important to be able to live in all the dimensions in order to work with that new relationship because it's a different relationship the process of grieving is a very honest authentic process and what grieving is is it's actually separating The ectoplasmic threads. plasmic Plasma makes up the majority of the universe, and plasma is like ether, it's like the the most subtle form of matter. It's invisible because it's so minute. But these ecto, ecto means outside, ectoplasmic threads are the threads any time we touch each other, even if we touch each other through a phone call, we will connect an ectoplasmic thread with each other. And what's happening when you are in the state of grief and grieving is that you're actually severing those ectoplasmic threads so that you can then create... Because your ectoplasmic threads are now connected to something which is inanimate, right? It's a, a body that's no longer being used. And you're going to disconnect those ectoplasmic threads from that. And that's the process, and that's why grieving actually feels physically painful. Because it is an actual event. It's an actual, physical, even though very, very subtle, but physical event. So at some point in my lecture, I always have to say, that's it. Otherwise we can go on and we'll do our yoga now. So, let's do Sufi grind. Bless you for joining us visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures videos yoga sets meditations and more